Section thirty seven of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part thirty seven of Running Patterers. Few of the residents in London, but chiefly those in the quieter streets, have not been aroused, and most frequently in the evening, by a hurly burly on each side of the street. An attentive listening will not lead any one to an accurate knowledge of what the clamour is about. It is from a mob or school of the running patterers, for both those words are used, and consists of two, three, or four men. All these men state that the greater the noise they make, the better is the chance of sale, and better still when the noise is on each side of a street, for it appears as if the vendors were proclaiming such interesting or important intelligence that they were vying with one another who should supply the demand which must ensue. It is not possible to ascertain with any certitude what the patterers are so anxious to sell, for only a few leading words are audible. One of the cleverest of running patterers repeated to me, in a subdued tone, his announcements of murders. The words murder, horrible, barbarous, love, mysterious, former crimes, and the like could only be caught by the ear, but there was no announcement of anything like particulars. If, however, the paper relates to any well-known criminal, such as Rush, the name is given distinctly enough, and so is any new or pretended fact. The running patras describe, or profess to describe, the contents of their papers as they go rapidly along, and they seldom or ever stand still. They usually deal in murders, seductions, crim cons, explosions, alarming accidents, assassinations, deaths of public characters, duels, and love letters. But popular or notorious murders are the great goes. The running patterer cares less than other street sellers for bad weather, for if he work on a wet and gloomy evening, and if the work be a cock, which is a fictitious statement, or even a pretended fictitious statement, there is the less chance of anyone detecting the ruse. But of late years no new cocks have been printed, excepting for temporary purchases, such as I have specified as under its appropriate head, in my account of death and fire hunters. Among the old stereotyped cocks are love letters. One is well known as the husband caught in a trap, and being in an epistolary form, subserves any purpose, whether it be the patras aim to sell the love letters of any well-known person, such as Lola Montes, or to fit them for a local, pretended, scandal, as the letters from a lady in this neighbourhood to a gentleman not one hundred miles off. Of running patras there are now in London from eighty to one hundred. They reside some in their own rooms, but the majority in lodging-houses, in or near Westminster, St. Giles's, Whitechapel, Stratford, Deptford, Wandsworth, and the Seven Dials. The Dials, however, is their chief locality, being the residence of the longest established printers, and is the head-meat of the fraternity. It is not easy to specify with exactitude the number of running or flying patterers at any one time in London, some of these men become occasionally standing patterers, chaunters, or ballad singers, classes I shall subsequently describe, and all of them resort at intervals to country rounds. I heard also many complaints of boys having of late 
taken to the running patter when anything attractive was before the public and of ignorant fellows that wouldn't have thought of it at one time trying their hands at it waiving these exceptional augmentations of the number i will take the body of running patterers generally employed in their peculiar craft in london at ninety to ascertain their earnings presents about the same difficulties as to ascertain their numbers for as all they earn is spent no patterer ever saving money they themselves are hardly able to tell their incomes if any new and exciting fact be before the public these men may each clear twenty shillings a week when there is no such fact they may not earn five shillings the profit is contingent moreover upon their being able to obtain one penny or only a halfpenny for their paper some represented their average weekly earnings at twelve shillings and sixpence the year through some at ten shillings and sixpence and others at less than half of twelve shillings and sixpence reckoning however that only nine shillings weekly is an average profit per individual and that fourteen shillings be taken to realize that profit we find three thousand two hundred and seventy six pounds expended yearly on running patterers in london but in that sum the takings of the chaunters must be included as they are members of the same fraternity and work with the patterers the capital required to commence as a running patterer is but the price of a few papers from twopence to one shilling the men have no distinctive dress our togs said one of them is in the latest fashion of petticoat lane unless on the very rare occasions when some character has to be personated and then coloured papers and glazed calicoes are made available but this is only a venture of the old hands experience of a running patterer from a running patterer who has been familiar with the trade for many years i received upwards of a twelvemonth ago the following statement he is well known for his humour and is a leading man in his fraternity after some conversation about cox the most popular of which my informant said was the murder at chigwell row he continued that's a trump to the present day why i'd go out now sir with a dozen of chigwell rows and earn my supper in half an hour off of em the murder of sarah holmes at lincoln is good too that there has been worked for the last five years successively every winter poor sarah holmes bless her she has saved me from walking the streets all night many a time some of the best of these have been in work twenty years the scarborough murder has full twenty years it's called the scarborough tragedy i've worked it myself it's about a noble and rich young naval officer seducing a poor clergyman's daughter she is confined in a ditch and destroys the child she is taken up for it tried and executed this has had a great run it sells all round the country places and would sell now if they had it out mostly all our customers is females they are the chief dependents we have the scarborough tragedy is very attractive it draws tears to the women's eyes to think that a poor clergyman's daughter who is remarkably beautiful should murder her own child it's very touching to every feeling heart there's a copy of verses with it too then there's the liverpool tragedy that's very attractive it's a mother murdering her own son through gold he had come from the east indies and married a rich planter's daughter he came back to england to see his parents after an absence of thirty years they kept a lodging-house in liverpool for sailors the son went there to lodge and meant to tell his parents who he was in the morning his mother saw the gold he'd got in his boxes and cut his throat severed his head from his body the old man upwards of seventy years of age holding the candle 
they had put a washing-tub under the bed to catch his blood the morning after the murder the old man's daughter calls and inquires for a young man the old man denies that they've had any such person in the house she says he had a mole on his arm in the shape of a strawberry the old couple go upstairs to examine the corpse and find they have murdered their own son and then they both put an end to their existence this is a deeper tragedy than the scarborough murder that suits young people better they like to hear about the young woman being seduced by the naval officer but the mothers take more to the liverpool tragedy it suits them better some of the cocks were in existence long before ever i was born or thought of the great and important battle between the two young ladies of fortune is what we calls a ripper i should like to have that there put down correct he added cause i've taken a tidy lot of money out of it my informant who had been upwards of twenty years in the running patter line told me that he commenced his career with the last dying speech and full confession of william corder he was sixteen years of age and had run away from his parents i worked that there he said down in the very town at bury where he was executed i got a whole hatful of halfpence at that why i wouldn't even give em seven for sixpence no that i wouldn't a gentleman's servant came out and wanted half a dozen for his master and one for himself in and i wouldn't let him have no such thing we often sells more than that at once why i sold six at one go to the railway clerks at norwich about the manning affair only a fortnight back but steinborough's little job you know he murdered his wife and family and committed suicide after that sold as well as any die pegsworth was an out-and-out lot i did tremendous with him because it happened in london down ratcliffe highway that's a splendid quarter for working there's plenty of feelings but bless you some places you go to you can't move nohow they've hearts like paving stones they wouldn't have the papers if you'd give them to em especially when they knows you greenacre didn't sell so well as might have been expected for such a diabolical out-and-out crime as he committed but you see he came close after pegsworth and that took the beauty off him two murderers together is never no good to nobody why there was william gleason as great a villain as ever lived went and murdered a whole family at noonday but rush coopered him and likewise that girl at bristol made it no draw to any one daniel good though was a first-rater and would have been much better if it hadn't been for that there madam tussow you see she went down to roehampton and gov two pound for the wery clogs as he used to wash his master's carriage in so in course when the aristocracy could go and see the real things the wery identical clogs in the chamber of horrors why the people wouldn't look at our authentic portraits of the fiend in human form hocker wasn't any particular great shakes there was a deal expected from him but he didn't turn out well courvoisier was much better he sold very well but nothing to blakesley why i worked him for six weeks the wife of the murdered man kept the king's head that he was landlord on open on the morning of the execution and the place was like a fair i even went and sold papers outside the door myself I thought if she weren't ashamed why should i be after that we had a fine fake that was the fire of the tower of london it sold rattling why we had about forty apprehended for that first we said two soldiers was taken up that couldn't obtain their discharge and then we declared it was a well-known sporting nobleman who did it for a spree the boy jones in the palace wasn't much of an affair for the running patterers the ballad singers or street screamers as we calls em had to pull out of that the patter wouldn't take they had read it all in the newspapers before 
oxford and francis and bean were a little better but nothing to crack about the people doesn't care about such things as them there's nothing beats a stunning good murder after all why there was rush i lived on him for a month or more when i commenced with rush i was fourteen shillings in debt for rent and in less than fourteen days i astonished the wise men in the east by paying my landlord all i owed him since dan'l good there had been little or nothing doing in the murder line no one could cap him till rush turned up a regular trump for us why i went down to norwich expressly to work the execution i worked my way down there with a sorrowful lamentation of his own composing which i'd got written by the blind man expressly for the occasion on the morning of the execution we beat all the regular newspapers out of the field for we had the full true and particular account down you see by our own express and that can beat anything that ever they can publish for we gets it printed several days afore it comes off and goes and stands with it right under the drop and many's the penny i've turned away when i've been asked for an account of the whole business before it happened so you see for hurly and correct information we can beat the sun ay or the moon either for the matter of that irish jem the ambassador never goes to bed but he blesses rush the farmer and many's the time he's told me we should never have such another windfall as that but i told him not to despair there's a good time coming boys says i and sure enough up comes the bermondsey tragedy we might have done very well indeed out of the mannings but there was too many examinations for it to be any great account to us i've been away with the mannings in the country ever since i've been through hertfordshire cambridgeshire and suffolk along with george frederick manning and his wife travelled from eight hundred to a thousand miles with them but i could have done much better if i had stopped in london every day i was anxiously looking for a confession from mrs manning all i wanted was for her to clear her conscience afore she left this here wail of tears that's what i always calls it in the patter and when i read in the papers mind they was none of my own that her last words on the brink of eternity was i've nothing to say to you mr rowe but to thank you for your kindness i gave her up entirely had completely done with her in course the public looks to us for the last words of all monsters in human form and as for mrs mannings they were not worth the printing of the recent experience of a running patterer from the same man i had the following account of his vocation up to the present time well sir he said i think take them all together things hasn't been so good this last year as the year before but the pope god bless him he's been the best friend i've had since rush but rush licked his holiness you see the pope and cardinal wiseman is a one-sided affair of course the catholics won't buy anything against the pope but all religions could go for rush our mob once thought of starting a cardinal's dress and i thought of wearing a red hat myself i did wear a shovel hat when the bishop of london was our racket but i thought the hat began to feel too hot so i shovelled it off there was plenty of paper that would have suited to work with a cardinal's hat there was one cardinal wiseman's lament and it was giving his own words like and a red hat would have capped it it used to make the people roar when it came to snivelling and grumbling at little jack russell by wiseman in course and when it comes to this part which alludes to that air thundering letter to the bishop of durham the people was stunned he called me a buffalo bull and a monkey and then with a soldier called old arthur conkey declared they would buy me a ninepenny donkey and send me to rome to the pope they shod me sir who's they why the pope and cardinal wiseman 
I call my clothes after them I earn money by to buy them with. My shoes I call Pope Pius, my trousers and braces Calcraft, my waistcoat and shirt Jail Denny, and my coat Love Letters. A man must show a sense of gratitude in the best way he can. But I didn't start the Cardinal's hat. I thought it might prove disagreeable to Sir Robert Peel's dress lodgers. Note. What my informant said further of the Pope, I give under the head of the Chaunter. End note. There was very little doing, he continued, for some time after I gave you an account before. Hardly a slum worth a crust and a pipe of tobacco to us. A slum's a paper fake. Make a footnote of that, sir. I think Adelaide was the first thing I worked after I told you of my tomfooleries. Yes, it was. Her elegy. She weren't of no account whatsoever, and Cambridge was no better nor Adelaide. But there was poor Sir Robert Peel. He was some good. Indeed, I think he was as good as five shillings a day to me, for the four or five days when he was freshest. Browns were thrown out of the windows to us, and one copper cartridge was sent flying at us with thirteen and a half pence in it, all copper, as if it had been collected. I worked Sir Robert at the West End, and in the quiet streets and squares. Certainly we had a most beautiful helegy. Well, poor gentleman, what we earned on him was some set-off to us, for his starting his new regiment of the blues, the cook's own. Not that they've troubled me much. I was once before Alderman Kelly when he was Lord Mayor, charged with obstructing or some humbug of that sort. What are you, my man? says he quietly, and like a gentleman. In the same line as yourself, my lord, says I. How's that? says he. I'm a paper-worker for my living, my lord, says I. I was soon discharged, and there was such fun and laughing that if I'd had a few slums in my pocket I believe I could have sold them all in the justice-room. Haynow was a stunner, and the drayman came their caper, just in the critical time for us, as things was growing very taper. But I did best with him in chaunting, and so, as you want to hear about chaunting, I'll tell you after. We are forced to change our patter, first running, then chaunting, and then standing, oftener than we used to. Then Calcraft was pretty tidy, Browns. He was up for starving his mother, and what better can you expect of a hangman? Me and my mate worked him down at Hatfield in Essex, where his mother lives. It's his native, I believe. We sold her one. She's a limping old body. I saw the people look at her, and they told me arterwards who she was. How much, says she? A penny, ma'am, says I. Serve him right, says she. We worked it to in the street in Hoxton, where he lives, and he sent out for two, which shows he's a sensible sort of character in some points, after all. Then we had a voice from the jail, or the horrors of the condemned cell, being the life of William Calcraft, the present hangman. It's written in the high style, and parts of it will have astonished the hangman's nerves before this. Here's a bit of the patter now. Let us look at William Calcraft, says the eminent author, in his earliest days. He was born about the year 1801 of humble but industrious parents at a little village in Essex. His infant ears often listened to the children belonging to the Sunday schools of his native place, singing the well-known words of Watt's beautiful hymn, Whene'er I take my walks abroad, how many poor I see, and so on. But alas for the poor farmer's boy, he never had the opportunity of going to that school to be taught how to shun the broad way leading to destruction. To seek a chance fortune he travelled up to London, where his ignorance and forlorn condition shortly enabled that fell demon which ever haunts the footsteps of the wretched to mark him for her own. Isn't that stunning, sir? Here it is in print for you. Mark him for her own. Then poor dear, he's so sorry to hang anybody. 
here's another bit but in vain he repents he has no real friend in the world but his wife to whom he can communicate his private thoughts and in return receive consolation can any lot be harder than this hence his nervous system is fast breaking down every day rendering him less able to endure the excruciating and agonizing torments he is hourly suffering he is haunted by remorse heaped upon remorse every fresh victim he is required to strangle being so much additional fuel thrown upon that mental flame which is scorching him you may believe me sir and i can prove the fact the author of that beautiful writing ain't in parliament think of the mental flame sir oh dear cyril was no good either not salt to a herring though we worked him in his own neighbourhood and pattered about gold and silver all in a row ah said one old woman he was a very spectable man where are you ma'am says i hollist weren't no good either cause the victim was a parson if it had happened a little later we'd have had it to rights the newspapers didn't make much of it we'd have shown it was the commencement of a most horrid and barbarous plot got up by the pope and cardinal wiseman for the massacreing of all good protestant ministers that would have been the dodge sir a beautiful idea now isn't it but the murder came off badly and you can't expect fellows like them murderers to have any regard for the interest of art and literature then there's so long to wait between the murder and the trial that unless the fiend in human form keeps writing beautiful love letters the excitement can't be kept up we can write the love letters for the fiend in human that's quite true and we once had a great pull that way over the newspapers but lord love you there's plenty of em gets more and more into our line they treads in our footsteps sir they follows our bright example oh isn't there a nice rubbing and polishing up this here copy won't do this must be left out and that put in cause it suits the walk of the paper why you must know sir i know don't tell me you can't have been on the morning chronicle for nothing then there was the horrid and inhuman murder committed by t drury on the body of jail denny at dunninghurst a village in essex we worked it in every way drury had every chance given to him we had half-sheets and copies of verses and books a very tidy book it was setting off with showing how the secluded village of dunninghurst has been the scene of a most determined and diabolical murder the discovery of which early on sunday the twelfth in the morning has thrown the whole of this part of the country into a painful state of excitement well sir well very well that bit was taken from a newspaper oh we're not above acknowledging when we condescends to borrow from any of em if you remember when i saw you about the time i told you i thought jail denny would turn out as good as maria martin and without any joke or nonsense sir it really is a most shocking thing but she didn't the weather coopered her poor lass there was money in sight and we couldn't touch it it seemed washed away from us for you may remember how wet it was i made a little by her though for all that i haven't done with master drury yet if god spares my life he shall make it up to me why now sir is it reasonable that a poor man like me should take so much pains to make drury's name known all over the country and walk miles and miles in the rain to do it and get only a few bob for my labour it can't be thought on when the wild and inhuman seducer takes his trial he must pay up my just claims i'm not going to take all that trouble on his account and let him off so easy my informant then gave me an account of his sale of papers relating to the pope and cardinal wiseman but 
as he was then a chaunter rather than a patterer the distinction is shown under another head i give his characteristic account as the statement of a chaunter he proceeded after having finished his recital of the street business relating to the pope and so on my last paying caper was the sloanes they beat haynow i declare to you sir the knowingest among us couldn't have invented a cock to equal the conduct of them sloanes why it's disgusting to come near the plain truth about them i think take it altogether sloane was as good as the pope but he had a stopper like pius the ninth for that was a one-sided affair and the catholics wouldn't buy and sloane was too disgusting for the gentry or better sort to buy him but i've been in little streets where some of the windows was without sashes and some that had sashes had stockings thrust between the frames and i've taken half a bob in halfpennies oh you should have heard what poor women said about him for it was women that bought him most they was more savage against him than against her why they had fifty deaths for him rolling in a barrel with lots of sharp nails inside down primrose hill and turned out to the women on kennington common and boiled alive in oil or stuff that can't be mentioned or hung over a slow fire oh the poor dear girl says they what she's suffered we had accounts of mistress sloane's apprehension before the papers we had it at jersey and they had it at boulogne but we were first then we discovered because we must be in advance of the papers that miss devoe was sloane's daughter by a former wife and jane wilbrid was mrs sloane's daughter by a former husband and was entitled to a thousand pounds by rights haynow was a fool to sloane i don't know of anything fresh that's in hand sir one of our authors is coming out with something spicy against lord john for doing nothing about wiseman cause he says as no one thing that he's written for lord john ever sold well something against him may End of section 37